Welcome to the Commune Podcast. My name is Jeff Krasnow. Today I bring you a special conversation that we recorded at Commune Topanga between Dr. Gabor Mate and his wife, Ray, in which they share stories from their 55 years of marriage. Now, their long-term commitment, which has seen ups and downs, has borne a certain awareness and insight into the nature of relationships and its challenges. And they speak candidly and vulnerably about their own partnership and how they've been able to overcome impasses. Of course, they are not alone. We all have struggles in our relationships, and I can certainly see some of my own story in theirs. Today's episode is part of Dr. Mate's Commune Workshop, A Return to Wholeness, which is available now in the Commune Course Library. As you may know, in addition to being a podcast, Commune is also a video course platform featuring a wide range of programs from top teachers on personal growth, yoga, meditation, spirituality, functional medicine, nutrition, and social impact. Essentially everything that you need to be holistically well. And Dr. Gabor Mate is a renowned addiction expert and physician who guides people towards healing using compassionate inquiry. His most recent book, The Myth of Normal, a groundbreaking investigation into the causes of illness, presents a bracing critique of how our society breeds disease and offers a unique perspective on the relationship between trauma and health. In his in-depth four-part workshop, A Return to Wholeness, Dr. Mate untangles common myths about what makes us sick, connecting the dots between the warped values of our culture and the psychological pain they cause, and offers a compassionate guide for health and healing. This full workshop contains more than five hours of thought-provoking lessons, including a bonus video interview with me. Now, if you want to heal your trauma with compassion and take your power back and find peace from past pain, watch Dr. Mate's first session for free at onecommune.com slash heal trauma. On our course platform, you'll also find integrative medicine-based programs with doctors like Sarah Gottfried and Kara Fitzgerald, Mark Hyman, Zach Bush, and Roger Schwelt on topics such as gut health, sleep, immunity, hormone balancing, Ayurveda, and nutrition. And you can sign up for 14 days of free all-access to Commune's entire course library, including more than 120 courses on health, personal growth, and social impact. Just go to onecommune.com trial. And please support this podcast by subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite podcatcher. Okay, without further delay, I present to you Dr. Gabor and Ray Mate. I mentioned earlier that uh, women have 70, 80% of autoimmune disease. They're also twice as likely to be diagnosed with PTSD and much more likely to be prescribed anti-anxiety medications or antidepressant medications. And um, there's been all these desperate attempts to explain why. Well, the attempts are desperate only because people don't 
taking the reality of women in this particular culture. So during the COVID epidemic, the New York Times had a headline entitled Society's Shock Absorbers, which I appropriated as to be the title of one of the chapters in the book. And they were saying that women um, took on the role of absorbing the stresses of their families and their spouses. And during the COVID pressures, and they felt guilty when they weren't successful in alleviating their families or spouses' stresses. They felt guilty. So society shock absorbers. Now, if one doesn't understand the mind-body unity in a way that I've tried to indicate to some degree today, and if one doesn't understand the unity of the individual and the environment, in other words, if we don't get the mind-body unity within individual, and if we don't get the interpersonal biology of human beings, then we can scratch our heads about what's going on. But if we do get those two unities, and if you understand how the culture then imposes its own expectations on certain groups, adding to their stress, then there's absolutely nothing miracle or nothing mysterious about why women have more autoimmune disease. Remember, I laid out for you the four characteristics of looking after the people's emotional needs while ignoring your own. About identifying with duty, role, and responsibility rather than needs of the self. Repressing healthy anger. Fear of disappointing others. And the belief that you're responsible for the feeling of the, for the emotions of others. It just so happens that if you look at the, the culturally assigned role of women in a patriarchal society, those are all the characteristics that women are supposed to take on. And they're meant to feel guilty if they don't take it on. So that woman's guilt is another control mechanism on the part of the culture. And this was too long before COVID. COVID just highlighted it. So... There's this mystery of multiple sclerosis. Why is it that in the 1930s, the gender ratio was one to one, but now it's three and a half women to every man? What a big mystery. Can't be the genes, because they don't change in a population over 80 years. Can't be the climate or the diet. That didn't change more for one gender or than another. But if you factor in that women in this patriarchal culture, and in patriarchal cultures before, capitalism as well, had the jobs of being the emotional shock absorbers. But now they've also been given a role of, as, as, as wage earners because of the increased economic pressure on middle and lower classes and because of the natural desire of women to go out there and, you know, and express themselves outside the home, all of which would have been okay had the other role of, of, of sharing the emotional burden being shared, but it hasn't. It still falls up on women. So now you have that old role, that traditional, it's taken so for granted that we think it's the water that we swim in. You add the role of economic pressures, and you look at what's happening in modern society, which is well-documented, the rise in loneliness, the destruction of communities, the erosion of the extended family, so that there's more stress, less support. 
course you got more autoimmune disease. What do you expect? So there's simply nothing surprising or mysterious about it. In fact, it's what you would predict if you understand all these factors. If you just, if you're open to talking about this dynamic in our lives without making your husband look too bad. Okay? <laughs> I, uh, I watched my mother suffer in, in her marriage. They, they stayed married until my father died first at 88 and then my mother at 93. It was never a happy marriage. And uh, my role, I felt, was to try and prevent bad things from happening and make good things happen and try and prevent them from being unhappy. So when I met Gabor, and I saw so clearly, and they they had such big hearts, and and there was so much love, but there was so much dysfunction, and so much hurt, and so much emotional abuse. And my mother was so vulnerable and lonely, and had lost her own mother at the age of eight. So I was like painfully aware of um, the costs or the or, or what's what's at stake. When I met Gabor, I saw the dark and I saw the light equally. I was I was just I saw his brilliance. And I saw a very dark shadow. It really reminded me of dad. You know, go figure. So I also felt that I was uniquely um, prepared to save him and, and bring him into the light. Like, you know. Um, How's that going for you? <laughs> <laughs> Not very well. Well, actually, actually, I'm very proud. You want to you really know? Yeah, You've sure. been my project like for 55 years. <laughs> <laughs> and you're doing really well. well thank you. So I, I would say uh, it's going well, but the cost, the cost for us um, of that kind of codependence of me trying to manage Gabor, of me trying to fix him, um, and also just my dependence on him to show up in a way that didn't threaten me because I was scared. I was scared. I was insecure. I was afraid of being rejected. Um, and so the idea of losing him, uh, at one point I remember when he fell out of love with me and decided he really loved somebody else in his imagination, an old girlfriend of mine, I just felt like the skin was being peeled off. It was the most painful thing I could imagine. So there, I didn't have a choice. Like I needed to work on God. I needed to keep us going. I needed to be the emotional balancer. I needed to remind you when you lost your heart, you lost your love, that you loved me. And in or, so, the, or so you believed. Or so I believed. I yeah. believed I did. I yeah. knew he loved me, and I knew we were soulmates, and we both felt that. But but we, you know, there'd be these mood swings and and it was also very uh, contingent on how well Gabor was taking care of himself or not taking care of himself. So if he was into the workaholic stage, our marriage would suffer. The relationship would suffer. Um, so I'd work really, really hard to make the conditions work um, to the point that it hurt our children. So what I say to women, and I'm very happy to say this to women, because um, so often they look at Gabor, they look at 
me, they look at us, they say, wow, 55 years, you know, and look at you, you know, you're the poster couple for, you know, happy marriage and stuff like that. Um, I don't want women to feel like failures if things aren't going well. And I don't women, want women to be ashamed of being unhappy uh, if husbands are um, being jerks, jerks, abusers, whatever, they, yeah. um, uh, irresponsible, not supporting them when, I mean, pregnancy, child rearing, nature says that's a time for women to be supported. If they're having to support him, and if if the husband is competing with the children for attention, and uh, I don't want women to um, be afraid to, to admit that it's not working. And I tell them that had I had the confidence and, and the belief in myself that I do now, if I had been any stronger at all, if I'd had a stronger ego sense, I would have left Gabor during a pregnancy when I felt that it was toxic for me and, and, and the kids. And I would have focused, instead of keeping my eyes always on him and being distracted, I would have made it my business just to take care of my kids. I also believed that we would have gotten back together. I've never doubted that because I believe, I've always believed that, that we're meant to be together. But I did put up with stuff that, um, in retrospect, I wish I hadn't. Yeah. And I was most vulnerable and most hurt and during pregnancy and early childbearing. That's where the tensions go up. The demands on a family, we all know that. It's so hard. And uh, yeah, and it happened in my family of origin. I saw my mother suffer most when, when she was had babies. My dad would act out. Uh, or not be available or whatever. So um, people so sometimes... Yeah. So this burden of looking after the man's emotional Looking needs. after the man at the expense of the children. Like yeah. not feeling confident enough to get angry because his anger is going to be more. And you just can't afford that with children around. You can't afford... If he's going to get into a rage, you can't provoke it. So it's always this kind of self-suppression. Well, I have the kind of body that can't cope with that. So uh, if there's something not good for me in, in the environment, so there's this tension because the, the woman's primary thing, she's always got her eyes on her kids. And the fathers often just become so self, that kind of narcissistic wound and mother rage that, that men have to women in the patriarchy. It's just bed in the broom, bed in the bread in the bone. It's just there in our culture. Women are punished because it's kind of... Well, you know what? So I had this experience earlier this year with um, mushrooms, working with some indigenous people in Canada. And I actually had a deep sense that I haven't loved myself. And then I punished my partner for not making me feel the love that I'm not giving myself. Yeah, so the I had, responsibility... I, I, I had a very direct experience of that. Yeah, so the experience was always like to keep him happy. So so that he yeah. should be... It's like I'm the sun and he's the moon, and if he feels that my light is not on him, he's going to go dark. 
And that's heavy. And I don't think I'm alone with that. In fact, I know I'm not. I have women writing me now from all over the world saying I've given voice to exactly their experience. And um, it doesn't take any courage to be real. And people say, oh, it must take so... It doesn't at all. It's much easier to be honest than than to pretend. So is that really what you... And and I have to add, like, we're so lucky because we both loved each other and we loved the truth and we were both willing to keep going back and working at it. And when things didn't work, if something, you know, we might get... It's like the marriage would keep recreating itself or ending and beginning. So I look at our kids and I think, well, you know, that's that's what happened, you know, and I can't undo it. But I feel very, very fortunate that you and I stuck it out. We just feel so fortunate and free. And um, it's not perfect, but there's so much aliveness and and love in the relationship and freshness still because it's it, it's authentic. Yeah. I don't I don't we, neither of us are going to stifle ourselves in order to make the relationship work. I would walk away before I would do that. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks so much. The result the result of these dynamics which are generalized across the culture, women are taking antidepressants for both genders. They're taking the anti-anxiety pills for both genders. They're suffering the autoimmune disease for both genders, all because of this culturally imposed self-stifling. So that's sort of the final um, piece of the clinical puzzle that I wanted to put in front of you. Not that there aren't many more. Um, I refer again to the cultural influences and the many studies that show the relationship between um, racial discrimination and economic inequality and uh, and illness. Um, in fact, in a society of inequality, even people who are somewhat better off or reasonably well off suffer because if you constantly, if your nose is being constantly rubbed into the fact that you have less than other people, even if you have a fair bit, but you've learned to to define yourself compared with the others, then you can still feel really stressed, even though your needs are actually taken care of. So in inequality, by its very nature, breeds stress and illness for people. And that's called the social gradient, that, that, that the, the lower you go down, the greater the risk of illness. And as somebody pointed out, if the social gradient worked the other way, that the Peter be- people better off and more empowered uh, got more sick, believe me, would be addressing these issues much more quickly than the way it is right now. And if you look at the, the nature of the culture right now, and if you look at the research on what actually triggers the stress response in people, and I mentioned earlier how the chronic stress undermines immunity and so on. What are the factors that trigger stress in people are uncertainty, conflict, and loss of control. You couldn't design a society better constructed 
to impose a sense of uncertainty on people. You never know when the next misery is going to happen, whether in the form of another war or um, economic insecurity, inflation, loss of control, some corporation a thousand miles away decides that your job become redundant. I mean, and then there's more isolation, the loneliness, it's to the point that Britain has appointed the Minister for Loneliness. But of course, what they don't address is the economic and political agenda that has created the loneliness epidemic internationally. Thank you for listening to Dr. Gabor Mate and his wife Ray illuminate some of the common dilemmas women experience within the realities of marriage. And be sure to check out Dr. Mate's latest book, The Myth of Normal, Trauma, Illness, and Healing in a Toxic Culture. And if you want to recognize where you are wounded and liberate yourself from addictive patterns and behaviors, well, you can get Dr. Mate's free introductory workshop at onecommune.com slash heal trauma. Now, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. It really makes a huge difference. And if you are a regular listener, you have a sense for how much effort we put into the show's creation. And we do our best to keep ads to a minimum. So if you're really looking for a way to support our efforts, the best way is to subscribe to Commune. You'll access more than 100 courses featuring the world's top authors and thought leaders. And you can check it out for free for 14 days, no strings attached, at onecommune.com slash trial. Of course, feel free to reach out to me directly at any time at jeffk at onecommune.com. Lastly, I'd like to thank the folks who make this show possible week over week, including Jacob Lau, Megan Stone, Violet Augustine, Silvana Alcala, Wellington Gonzalez, Leda Maliga, and Ryan Tillotson. Okay, that's all from the commune for today. My name is Jeff Krasno, and I am here for you. Thank you.